Hi guys, welcome to the JCN Clinic podcast show. I'm Jessica. I'm Carissa. And it's just the two of us today. We've had a lot of guests lately, but we it's have, just us. We? Yeah, suckers. <laughs> you gotta listen to us. <laughs> so we thought it was time to delve into some case studies again. Mm-hmm. We've had quite a few still coming through and we've been backburning them, putting them on the back burner, probably not backburning them, that's burning them actually like setting fire to things <laughs> putting them on the back burner i should say um these ones came through in around july so i'm yeah. you know I, I feel a little bit like sorry to the people yeah. that sent them through but hopefully they'll still get something from them yeah and even if they don't i'm sure everyone listening will get a lot so yeah yeah. Um, let's just launch into it. Chris is going to read this. I may tag teaming because yeah, it's quite it's, long. Yeah, it's quite epic. And um, heads up, I actually haven't read this at all, this one. So. <laughs> well, this is, you know what, this is good because this is what happens in clinic, yeah, right? Exactly. We just have someone come along. Admittedly, we do have a new client history form that people usually fill out and send to us. Yeah, um, sometimes. So we don't always get that. And sometimes we may not even get to look at it ourselves until 10 minutes for consultation. So exactly. this is exactly how. If we how get to we... look at them at all. <laughs> I usually like look at, the, look at the first page scan and then I'm like, come on in, let's just do this. <laughs> yeah. um, so this is a little chance to see how um, well our early Friday morning analytical clinic and nutrition brains work. Mine's not working at all. Um, I'm on holidays in about two hours. Um, All right. So, hi, Jessica and Carissa. I love, love, love your podcast and I've been a groupie of your Instagram account for as long as I can remember. That's lovely. It is a dream of mine to go and treat myself with you guys, but I can't afford it. I'm on the other side of the planet. I live in the northwest of Mexico Ooh. and I'd like to share with you my case in hopes you read it and decide to examine um, in the show. Fingers crossed. I actually need to move close because my eyes are that bad. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just moving the computer yeah. closer to Carissa because she's pretty much blind. She's pretty much blind. Okay. <clears throat> I'm a 33-year-old housewife. I have a son almost three years now and want to get pregnant again very soon. I'm 1.65 metres tall and weigh currently um, 56 to 57 kilos, which is my normal weight. I believe I have more muscular body composition and big bones. I've never weighed less than 54, even though for a long time I starved myself, but gained in my pregnancy around 18 kilos. I lost them by exercising and dieting about eight months postpartum, but it has always been difficult for me to keep my ideal weight. I fluctuate a lot of the time between 56 and 59. I feel like that's 56 to 59 is probably pretty healthy for someone of that height anyway, like Mm. probably even pushing more up to the 59 to be Mm -hmm, honest. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, I've experienced almost every poor gut related symptoms, gastritis, colitis, allergies, skin allergies, skin allergies like dermatitis, um, gut bloating, face bloating, hypothyroidism diagnosed about eight years ago and I've been medicated since, anemia, trouble absorbing nutrients and worst of all the constipation which got worse during pregnancy and awful after my C-section. I know a lot about gut pro- my I know a lot of my gut problems are a result of dysfunctional eating because I'm muscular since I was a child I somehow got the idea that I was fat but I never was. So I grew up with a bad relationship which got worse in my early 20s. Bad food relationship. Bad food relationship. I tried every diet, fad diet ever, nutritionist, diet pills, laxative teas, I would exist only on coffee, diet coke and salads, always trying to lose weight. And the thing is, I wasn't overweight at all. Um, what happened was that I would starve myself for a few days and then have a huge binge and then purge. I was very thin, but the scale wouldn't go down much and, and don't know why. 
Um, by then, I was doing my bachelor's degree away from home, working late hours and not sleeping enough, exercising every day and eating really poorly, trying to always look perfect. I got to the point that I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression. Um, my hair didn't grow and I was always exhausted. Through all that time, I was always struggling with my digestion. The gastritis and colitis were almost chronic, the bloating too. Um, there, were weeks, um, I, where, there were weeks I went to the bathroom every two to three days. After that, I started to look for a healthier lifestyle. Yay! <laughs> um, the depression was really scary for me, um, so I've never wanted—I never wanted to have it under control as fast as possible—and got myself trying different approaches. I learned that food and a healthy lifestyle played a big part. Around that time, the juicing and raw food craze was hitting the USA, so I got caught up. I did juice fastings and went almost all the way vegan for almost a year and a half. I felt great and looked great, but my diet and and my digestion was way better and there was practically no bloating because I started supplementing with probiotics, enzymes and blue-green algae. I did some testing on food and food intolerances. That was in Mexico City, but I now question the reliability of this test. It's called Veritest and tested positive on whey, cane sugar. We can't find the mouse. <laughs> Vanilla, vanilla. <laughs> I was going to like take a stab at vanilla, ginger, and baker's yeast. I also eliminated gluten for a while. I did the test because I ate when I ate something not included in my current diet. My system couldn't process, so I got a bloated face. Got so I got bloated face, stomach, and legs. That's pretty intense. Mm. Um, and I wonder if that's around. Like they're just doing juicing then. Mm. Anyway, I'll keep reading and then we'll break it back down. And then I got pregnant. I started craving all the food groups I, I had completely eliminated before. Red meats, refined carbs, beans, cheese, etc. So I started gaining weight right away. I believe a big part of the weight was water retention. My legs were very swollen. And as a result um, of the poor diet during my pregnancy, I had a very, very bad reflux and constipation. I had to take antacids, a stool softener during, and a stool softener during the whole pregnancy. The last trimester, they didn't work anymore. Then I went into labor and couldn't give birth naturally. So after 28 hours, holy dooly, good effort, Aww. the doctor decided to deliver the baby via C-section. Um, the next six months were catastrophic for my digestion. It was like the C-section eliminated my need to poop. I didn't even feel like I needed to anymore. I was very frustrated. I tried acupuncture, functional medicine, homeopathy, and been working on it ever since. My digestion restored little by little, but it's still bad. Okay, last paragraph, guys. The past almost three years, I've tried to live a more balanced lifestyle and eating approach. I've tried to eat focusing on whole foods and macronutrients. I exercise four to five times a week. I eat clean during the week, and so I, and I indulge a bit over the weekend. I still notice that some foods don't agree with me, like red meat, legumes, milk, and peanuts, for example. And I've done twice, and I've done twice January this year and last year a mild cleanse, going vegan for a couple of weeks, and that's when my digestion currently on and off enzymes that's when my eye works perfectly but you can tell my eyes are starting to <laughs> but as soon as I go back to my normal diet it messes oh. up again I'm currently on the on and off the enzymes and probiotics but I think they don't work properly anymore and I'm only wasting my money it's very frustrating because I feel like frustrating because I feel like no matter what I do it would never be as it should be and I'm certain that I cannot not go vegan again because I know that my body needs a little more animal protein to build my muscles and ligaments and other nutrients that I can't get on a vegan diet don't know what else to do as I said in the beginning of the email I'm looking forward to getting pregnant again soon but don't want to oh. suffer like the last time please help wow epic epic I'm epic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right you have a rest all right your turn Coxie. Is... you take the stage <laughs> far out I can't I like first off I can't even imagine the fear she'd have around getting 
pregnant again. Like there would be a lot of fear there. Um, I think the first thing as always for us is, you know, breaking this down and looking at going back to the start. So, you know, we've got basically an underlying history here of um, disordered eating, really disordered eating, starvation, diet pills, laxatives, existing on lots of coffee, um, even before a lot of these things have eventuated. So that alone is going to have had a massive impact on her digestion. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have had like a lot of stress happening there, um, depending on, um, you know, she hasn't sort of delved into, I don't think she mentioned, oh no, she did, she was purging. Okay. Yeah. yeah binging yeah. and purging. So yeah. the stress that's going to cause on the digestive system, Functionally, the stomach itself um, upsetting the stomach in regards to like even hydrochloric acid production and that and even like that refluxing of the acid yeah. from the stomach back up into the esophagus, mm. like so much <laughs> functional distress on the yeah. gut, but also a real stress on the microbiome and the bacteria yeah. within the gut. Yeah. So. I mean, even underlyingly as one sort of layer, like that's a starting yeah. point for me, then I would be... Can I just jump in on that yeah, layer? Yeah, go. I think, and this is something obviously I chat to a lot of my clients about when there is like a disordered eating past, is when we're talking about like laxatives and long-term use of laxative, laxative teas, chronic constipation, starving yourself, like exactly what Jess was saying with like it impacting not only the upper digestive system from a functional perspective, but we've got to look at the entire digestive tract mm-hmm. as... like let's take the microbiome out of the perspective like out of Mm -hmm. the chat for a second because obviously that's where we get really excited but the bowel itself functionally is a muscle Mm -hmm. right and and this is what I said a lot of my clients like the term lazy bowel gets thrown around a lot for people you know with constipation or you know that have had a a disordered eating past where there has been laxative abuse and and things like that or just not eating for days and it's so much of this as well as starting to work with the microbiota and balance out bacteria and deal with you know gastric acid secretion all of that is actually teaching the bowel to behave like a muscle again and that's you know using certain types of fibers dealing with like the migrating motor complex like the way the gut actually you know sweeps food through from the small Mm -hmm. intestine into the large intestine and actually emulsifies and breaks things down so there are nutrients that are involved in that but even more simple like more simply than that it's a muscle at the Mm -hmm. end of the day so Mm -hmm. you have to train it to behave like one again Mm -hmm. that's really really true and it's it's Mm -hmm. definitely doable but it's doable Mm -hmm. coming at it from an angle of you've got to like address all the other things which Jess, i know it's just just about to talk about (laughs) (laughs) no it's really true no you're so right like Mm -hmm. you know generally that type of um, reliance that Mm. this person has created on using laxatives and, you know, the purging and the starvation Mm. and so forth, like functionally, like as far as even you mentioned migrating motor complex, of course, but even just general peristalsis Peristalsis, and just like that muscular action. I know how we break up. That's exactly what I do with my clients. The squeezing of the hands. I'm like, we have, and this comes from giving it like the right types of Mm. food, like, for people who are like really cutting fibers out of their diet, like juice cleansers, for mm-hmm. example, which obviously we noticed you went on, like she went on as well. Like, again, of course, your stomach feels amazing on a juice cleanse, but there's no fiber in there. Mm. So again, your bowel's not functioning the way it's mm. meant to function. And it's just like all of these, you know, insoluble and soluble fibers. I know we've talked about this in other podcasts, actually create the bulk and the lube in the stool, but they actually also... The, the, Did you say the lube? Yeah, that's what I call it. That's what I call it. That's what I like. Picture it like lube for your intestines. <laughs> Yeah, that's my thing for soluble fiber. I'm like, you've got the bulk and the lube. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, when I'm classic. <laughs> I can, I can 
make anything sexual when we're talking about the gut. Oh, man. Anyway, um, and just getting it to, like, actually, like, emulsify and break stuff yeah. down. Like, it has to, like, I wish you guys could see what Jess and I do with our hands here because it's a perfect little picture of peristalsis. And it's also that biofeedback to the brain as yeah. well as far as peristalsis goes. Like, we've got nerves involved and, mm. like, the actual physicality of food moving into the large bowel yep. does that for us. So if there's actually no biofeedback happening, particularly for someone who's literally starving themselves, mm. like, you know, you're not um, integrating that that biofeedback on yeah. a daily basis. Yeah. So, you know, you've got so many layers there already at this point before yeah. we've even delved into yeah, and, anything and, else. Well, exactly. And even just looking at, obviously, with Jess even talking about the biofeedback there, like we already know that our gut and our brain brain communicate. And if over time all of those chemical messengers, like those that, you know, trans, trans bit of information through our gut, through our enteric nervous system, up to our central nervous system, like if that's all for lack of any other word, better word, like just frazzled mm. or stuffed up, then mm. it's kind of like you're not only teaching the gut to behave properly again, as a, just even as a functional thing, you've actually got to teach those, like it's almost like retraining that those mm. neurons again as well. Like, mm. I like to, before I even go on to I think the other <laughs> thing I'd like to point out is that this is actually very it's, common. It's very common. It's really, yeah. it's distressingly common that we see mm. particularly women coming in who have had this sort of history yeah. and have, chronic digestive issues as a result and I just yeah. want to point out to like straight up to anyone listening that has this sort of relationship with food that you need to consider the long-term implications because yeah. obviously there is so much pressure that women are feeling to do this sort of extreme dieting yeah. and like st um, stress that they put on their body to yeah. look a certain way and to suit a certain ideal in their head and like this is really common. What this this woman yeah. is speaking about is yeah. really common down the track. Yeah, and I think too, just like obviously, like I think the big element of this too, like just looking at it from like more of an even an emotional aspect is what Jess is saying is it actually is. I don't want to normalize it, but it is common. Yeah, like I think there's a lot of women that kind of feel they probably went went through such a similar scenario to this, um, but they they were probably like maybe one in. 20 women that went through I'm probably saying it's probably more like uh, I reckon 50 50 like yeah. and then that's not even just bringing the body image stuff in it that's yeah. just the extreme stuff that girls in their young age will yeah. do to try and maintain a certain body image so I'm pretty sure there's a lot of um girls listening to this and women that yeah. are probably in this cycle or have been in this cycle yeah. and I reckon that'd be a, a pretty high percentage of the female population yeah. to be honest yeah yeah definitely so not normalizing it but just saying that there's definitely ways to work through it, but I guess just accept that it's happened or you've done it, but know that you don't have to kind of stay in that. Yeah, for sure. Kind of. I know. It's <laughs> so full on. It is. It's full on. <laughs> so, so moving on from there, like, I always think about things, I know you do too, sort of like in layers, you know, it's not usually just <laughs> one thing. We have like lots of different layers from like mm -hmm. when these things begin, often from childhood that sort of build on top of each other. So the other thing that sort of stood out to me, to me um, sort of starting to move past is really what I would call abuse of the, the, the gut and the body, mm -hmm. um, the starvation and so forth, is that then obviously there is these changes that start to happen with the gut. And she talks about moving, whoopsie, that just went out on us. Um, she talks about moving to um, a vegan diet and, and actually seeing benefits with the vegan diet. So I think that's really interesting for me because that sort of raises some flags about 
if she's eating on a vegan diet and she feels better, what is she actually excluding? Mm. So um, when I think about that, I think about potentially has there also been within this some underlying food intolerances that have been at play or have become um, more exacerbated or even just um, actually eventuated because of the disruption within Mm. the gut problems with increased gut permeability you know she's talking about things like gastritis and colitis Mm. particularly colitis there's a lot of there's a lot of upsets happening there on that um that gut lining as far as gut permeability so i sort of think about those um classic sort of foods that can cause more Mm. inflammation in the gut those um classic sort of you know of course the glutens and the dairies and so forth and when she's moving to a vegan diet there's a lot of those things that she's actually taking out that may be exacerbating yeah. the underlying dysfunction that has occurred. Mm. Also on a vegan diet, I thought it was interesting because she kind of talked about being vegan, but then when she talked about bringing back in things like beans, so I don't know when she I'm, was vegan, whether she was actually was putting herself say. a bit more low fodmap as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, um, it, it depends on the type of food yeah. she's consuming on the vegan diet. Like, like, okay, like, without speculating too much, if there is a bit of a disordered eating past the chances are the vegan diet literally could have just been cooked veggies a couple of times mm. a day do you know what i mean maybe mm-hmm. we weren't getting any protein sources yeah. any starchy carbs yeah or, do you know what i mean so it's really looking breaking down and actually like and obviously we would do this in the consultation we're like cool what was it what we would be mm. like what was what is your version of a exactly. vegan diet and what were you eating and then yeah. okay this is probably why you felt better exactly. in terms of digestion but here's what was actually lacking in terms yeah. of building your gut up and here's why you mm. actually got and that's, that's where she's sort of, I can see again, like her frustration and um, really sort of stuck point with this because there's like this way of eating that she realizes she feels better. But, you know, it's great that she realizes that's not maintainable. But mm-hmm. for us, it's like, okay, what are you, what are you doing here on this extreme yeah. diet where you're cutting out so much? Yeah. What is it that you're actually cutting out yeah. that is actually helping? And then that becomes for us more information as to what we need to do and now within that often we'll see there may be one or two foods that might be um, significant regards to like being in an intolerance reaction but I would say there'd be a lot of foods there Mm. that would actually be more problematic because of her gut microbiome and gut permeability increased fermentation causing a lot of these symptoms Mm. that she's experiencing so for us i think there's always that twofold approach it's like well what are you actually eating that's the problem yeah but also are you eating (laughs) yeah what aren't you eating and also like what's going on in your gut per se like why are all these foods causing you problems because she should be able to eat more of a diverse diet yeah and not be on such a strict diet to you know um feel feel better yeah exactly so should we talk about obviously the depression and the anxiety that came? Is that in with the vegan diet or is this just with more the eating, disordered eating? Where does the vegan diet come in? Was that this part? I oh, know it kind of jumps around yeah. a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think too, like obviously like. I think that was pretty early because she yeah. was saying she was diagnosed with anxiety and depression and her yeah. hair didn't grow and I was always exhausted sort of talking about it in regards to that sort of period of where she wasn't yeah. eating well. And this, that's also like, it's not even what Jess was saying, like a massive assault on the gut. It's a massive assault on the HPA axis as well like not eating the whole like just even the stress of that is like when when people are in that disordered state it is a 
chronic stress on the body, mm. like not just from a digestive capacity, but from, you know, a psychological capacity from, you know, just looking at how the HPA axis has to function under that amount of stress. Like usually the anxiety and the cortisol output, it's just insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously too, you would expect that people would A, lose their period. I would, she doesn't have, we didn't yeah. talk about period much at this or in this one, but I could probably safely mm. assume that at some stage, maybe on these early days, there was probably mm. a loss of menstruation cycle um definitely when you people you see people's hair not growing we really start to look at basic nutrient status but also the thyroid so it's interesting that later on she was diagnosed with a thyroid Mm. condition so that's just typically what i would say probably the thyroid came secondary to just chronic stress yeah um, that chronic pressure on that you know adrenals just to cope Mm -hmm. um the thyroid's gone as a bit of a byproduct Mm -hmm. um yeah. yeah, it'd be interesting to see with getting her well again how her thyroid would actually yeah. come back to the party. Yeah, exactly. You know, she's actually, I think she mentioned there about medication. Am I imagining that as yeah, far as thyroid so, yeah. goes? Um, but there's something, it, yeah. It has like, been medicated. Yeah, yeah. Remember, yeah deaths. But yeah. There, there's, a lot, there's a lot of those symptoms that she's explaining that actually can come back to that mm. disrupted HPA axis, but also definitely that underlying hypothyroid state you know even the anemia and so forth so again going back to those layers like you know that food that actual initial um like disordered eating Mm. and then that inflammation that that's created on the body and the stress and the anxiety that that's resulted in and that disruption of hormones the thyroid like we've got so many things happening there already yeah and just even looking at too like you know obviously we're just talking about like just and i was talking about the gut from a functional perspective before and peristalsis not happening and retraining it as a muscle like as a muscle to Mm. work and you know push poop out like it needs to Mm. do but if you've got now a thyroid issue compounding that like our Mm. thyroid is so involved in that you know that gut area as well so we've kind of and this is what we love doing in the clinic because it's you know this i know reading out this like everyone's probably going whoa there's so much going on but realistically Mm. like a lot of this does come down to like and we'll get through it all but like you just peel these layers back like what we're doing now and you go okay cool so we actually underlying all of this is a really crazy upset dysbiotic inflamed gut Mm. and you find by you know getting into that and calming that down like we i think definitely with Will I say names or no? Yeah, yeah. definitely. I'm um, sure she won't mind. How would you say <laughs> Good name? luck with that, though. Arnie? Yeah, Anna, sorry. Anna. <laughs> sorry, anyway. Let's, let's call her Anna for short. Anna, I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think straight up with something that's like this, this way, we'd be doing like a GIFX stool test. Yeah, straight without up. Without question. Without question. Mm-hmm. And probably looking at exactly like all of your phylums and spamlings of bacteria and work out exactly what's going on between those yep. different rates, like those different phylums and inflammatory markers and all of that that's going to be a big one for her like doing if it was you know in a perfect world doing the full spectrum seeing inflammatory markers a short chain fatty acid breakdown like what's happening with a with a um all of her bacteria but also you know what are they producing from a short chain fatty acid point Mm. of view um how inflamed actually is her gut like are we dealing with like acute inflammation (coughs) like she's mentioned again the gastritis the colitis Mm. like they're very inflammatory conditions and then that's the skin allergies and so forth and all of that bloating like the Mm. gut and the face like there's so much fluid retention there so you know taking that back and looking at like how much inflammation are we actually dealing with is going to be really important even like the um you know the um beta glucuronidase like in regards to like her hormones and Mm. what's happening there in regards to sort of recycling everything back through the liver with all of that congestion going on so in an ideal world, like a test like that for her would be 
just bloody ideal Um, because as you said like a lot of this all the layers peeled away is pointing back to the gut a really dysfunctional gut and I think if you could actually get into the gut and start treating and start getting it working like obviously you'd have to come at it from quite a few angles like you'd be working with Mm. the microbiome like microbiome you'd be working with it as a function like an actual functionally Thing, functional thing um and then obviously working with the food element of it as well mm. like what's you know what what foods are actual issues and which ones are just issues because of bacterial imbalances mm-hmm. that's a pretty big difference um yeah so would, from a testing point of view for us is always super helpful because mm. we can start to break that down and say okay these foods make sense that for mm. this short period of time we're going to sit these aside and then we're going to be able to bring these back in mm. and also ascertain you know what she's actually intolerant to yeah so it is interesting because when she got pregnant of course like before she got pregnant she was doing mm. all of those things with her diet and taking some of those supplements so she seems to have felt it at best but then when she fell pregnant and she started bringing in the, she's talking red meats, but carbs, beans, cheese. Like there's naturally, it's, it's all spectrums there, isn't it? It's yeah. like, well, you're bringing in a lot of like potential intolerance foods, but you're also it's bringing foods highly. again to like upset the microbiome if there <clears throat> is an imbalance there. So, yeah. you know, and she's had like this traumatic pregnancy, you know, there's been antacids, there's been stool softeners. So mm. that again, like going oh, back to the man. eating disorder and then having to go back onto things like these you know, the antacids, which are going to like, oh, just, then I think about jumping ahead of myself, but I just think about even SIBO being on the antacids, like with that reduction of hydrochloric acid production in her stomach, you know, that reliance on the stool snoffers, snoffers, (laughs) (laughs) you know, she's already struggling with constipation and then moving into that last trimester where everything's just really become problematic there from a bowel point of view. Um, and, you know, that's where you know, we sort of see that she, she's starting to move now into like trying to balance everything out and eat as well as mm. she can and feeling a bit better. But you can hear that the bowels and these, mm. these digestive systems, digestive symptoms are still <laughs> such an issue. And she's even saying like the enzymes are probiotic. She doesn't feel like they're, wait, they're working anymore. And she's wasting her money. That makes yeah. sense to me too, because... All she's really doing there is controlling symptoms. What we need to do is get in and figure out those underlying factors and actually get her gut into a more functional state, down-regulating inflammation. The the probiotics, the right probiotics at the right time will be great, but trying to deal with throwing just some probiotics Mm. at this and some enzymes, all it's going to do is just dampen down some of the symptoms. Symptoms. Yeah, exactly. And I know like we've talked about probiotics and stuff, but you you kind of got to use prebiotics and the right types of prebiotics at the right time. And this is where testing becomes really important. Um, Yeah, and the enzymes are great. But then even just looking at things, you know, your general things at the – that for smooth muscle contraction of the bowel as well. We've got magnesium and then what's going, you know, there's so many, yeah, so many layers just to the gut aspect alone. Yeah, for sure. I also noted that she said at the end there about um, not wanting to go back to the vegan diet because she knows her body needs um, a little animal protein to build muscle ligaments and so forth. Like I just want to highlight that like, you know, we've talked about this in our vegan podcast. Mm. Like you can actually – thrive on a vegan diet if it's for the Macro right constitution well. yeah so you know if if potentially working with her that was a way she wanted to eat we would like teach her how to eat a more balanced vegan yeah. diet like that actually is possible for Definitely. her to to get that protein and those building yeah. elements to a diet but i don't think that's what she actually means i think 
um, again, that's where we have a lot more questions about, well, what's your interpretation of a vegan diet? It's like a spectrum. And depending on what's going on with her her gut and all of that, like maybe not a vegan diet straight away, but if a vegan diet was the end goal, like, Mm. okay, well, let's get your gut a lot more sorted and then pop you you onto a a macro-balanced vegan diet and Mm -hmm. see how your gut... And you constitutionally as a person respond to it, then do you actually need the animal proteins mm. or even a pescatarian diet? Like if you, anyway, there's, that's all like more long-term yeah. stuff, but it's all definitely possibilities depending yeah. on how you want to eat. It's just, you've got to get the gut right first. For sure. So, so I think ideal world, if we were able to <laughs> do what we could do, we give you a, a big hug point. to start with. Yes. <laughs> <Big> hug. <laughs> definitely. We'd, we'd, there's lots of tissues always on the desk because I imagine there'd be some tears here, but I think in an ideal world, we would send you straight off to get testing. If we had to choose even just one, it would be a G-I-F-X. full comprehensive CDSA. <laughs> doubt. You know, maybe in an ideal world, we might be able to throw a few extras in, but I think we definitely start with a full CDSA. On top of that, while we're waiting on results, we would without question be looking at what you're eating right now. We'd mm. be probably downplaying some of the suspected intolerances, um, which yeah. we would talk through with you to ascertain that. Um, and then we would probably also with someone like this, while we're waiting on results, because it's a three week turnaround, we would start you on a dietary intake that starts to shy away from some of the foods that we know that can upset mm-hmm. a really unhappy microbiome. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that would be just a short term while we're waiting on results. And then that would clarify where we need to go. And I think the other thing we would definitely do straight up is we'd start to go in with downplaying that in like aggressive inflammation in the gut. Yeah. So, you know, as soon as you sent off that, oh, yeah. Slippery elm could be your new bed. <laughs> That's it. it. tastes like shit. But <laughs> your gut would love it. <laughs> so we'll often do that while waiting on results because the results are going to give us a lot to work with. But, you know, we know there's a lot of gut inflammation here. They know there's gut permeability. So we, we play with some key players there. Um, like Carissa just said, you know, the slippery elm, certain types of supplements that we would use just to settle that down. And we often find like that really turns a dial down a lot of these symptoms. And then once we get those results back, mm. we could work with that. I think the other thing like we would definitely do is look at a good full blood profile because she's mentioned about the anemia and it's like, well, watch and also what's your thyroid doing now? Where's yeah. that sitting? We how want well, to... Yeah. How well managed is it just by medication? Yeah. Like... That's it. Yeah. All of those markers. So we can start to look at other things within the blood work that we might need to work on or mm. even just to rule out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mm. like, I'm a big ruler out or I do. Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah, sometimes too, like if, depending on if she's, if she's seen a gastro or anything like that, like obviously the GIFX test is really good because it will do fecal calprotectin and EPX marker. Mm. So we'll have a pretty good idea of, you know, how inflamed the bowel is in terms of do we need to start considering things like, I don't think would be colitis based on this picture to be honest but Mm. like inflammatory bowel disease or anything or even active celiac disease like those things are more determined by a colonoscopy but sometimes with some of my chronic clients usually by the time they see me they're kind of starting to see a gastro at the same time and I'll just I'll just be like let's just go get a colonoscopy out of the way Mm. so at least we know worst like it's about ruling things out as well and I'm just like if we're just dealing with a really strong bacterial imbalance and inflammation then that's what we're dealing Mm. with I don't you know I need to know if we're dealing with celiac disease Mm. I need to know if we're dealing with inflammatory Mm -hmm. bowel disease so Uh maybe even just getting that out of the equation wouldn't be Mm. a bad idea at the start like just yeah Cool. Well, I hope that helped, Anna. I hope, you know, this is a few months later. You really sent this, but <laughs> you might be pregnant helps. again by yeah, now. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, 
We might delve quickly. Um, what do you reckon? Yeah, yeah let's, do, let's it. do it. Let's push to the limits. Lock and load. <laughs> Lock and load. <laughs> do you want me to read this one out? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Hi, Jess and Carissa. Hope this is the right Hi. way to contact you about the podcast. I really enjoy listening and learn so much from your chats. Thank you. Ah. I'm an Australian living in Germany at the moment for study, and although my field is music, I'm super interested in health, the gut, hormones, etc mostly sparked by a period of amenorrhea a couple of years ago. Anyway, this question isn't actually about me, believe it or not. My boyfriend has been having a lot of issues with his gut of late, but he's had these problems going back many years and occurring only very rarely. He had a recent period of waking up in the middle of the night and needing to throw up. This is accompanied by diarrhea. Too much of, oh, TMI, TMI, too much of I never know what some of these yes, things mean. <laughs> just really get up with the millennials. No, <laughs> preventing him from I'm eating old. much at all from a couple of for a couple of days. After some internet trawling, we concluded it might be a fodmap thing and took out the usual culprits: garlic, onion, tomatoes. Tomatoes, tomatoes on a fodmap. But the seemingly <laughs> random occurrence of these gut problems has us kind of stumped about their cause. He's never before had issues with these foods. Now it seems better under control since he stopped eating anything after about 8 or 9 p.m. He had some blood tests and allergy tests done and he has been informed he had no lactose or gluten allergies or intolerances, even though he doesn't feel very well after eating dairy. The blood showed he was low in B12 and D. Mm -hmm. One thing that I would love to change is his diet. It's like you two often say, you can get to a point where fear of reacting negatively to foods paints you into a corner. In his case, eating a whole lot of white pretzels and other simple carbs. He ate quite healthy in the past, so I'm not sure and could have, so I'm not sure what could have brought on this sudden disastrous period of gut Mm. troubles. So after that spill, do you ladies possibly have any ideas what we should do? why this gut problem seemed to come on so suddenly and what the lack of B12 might signify. Feeling like an un, feeling like an undercover investigator asking around myself, <laughs> but, out of, but out of anyone, you two seem to have the most wisdom Aww. in this area. Pardon the sucker. Mm. Oh, <laughs> Cynthia? Yeah. God, we're getting the names, aren't oh, we? So Sorry, Cynthia, if we're saying that wrong. Ah, where do we start? Do you want to start this time? I, I might work backwards with just and go on the B12 quickly. Yeah. So just with the B12 and the vitamin D, but if he's low in B12, it can definitely be an absorption thing. It probably just depends on how low he is because obviously when there's a lot of gut issues going on, we can even flick a switch in our gut and it's almost a bit of an autoimmune thing. So intrinsic factor where we, we act, it actually stops us being able to absorb our B12 in our gut. So it would depend on how low he is in B12 um, to start with. Yeah. And then if it is actually just the fact that he's got so inflamed that he's not absorbing it or like through food and stuff, or if he actually has, you know, basically flipped that autoimmune switch yeah. and now he won't absorb it. So in which case he needs to get B12 injections. So, um, so let me go back to this. So I'm wondering with the late night thing, like obviously there's a, there's obviously been underlying gut issues, but I'm interested in the fact too, that if he is eating after eight or 9 PM and then mm-hmm. he's getting these episodes where he's waking up and vomiting and then getting loose bowels, mm-hmm. a, what he's kind of eating, like, is it mm-hmm. a dessert thing? And if there is an issue with dairy, is it ice cream? Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. If he's going to bed with a full stomach of food and it's a food that doesn't agree with him. You'd have to it's kind hard of not knowing what he's actually what he's eating. actually eating that's causing it and then yeah like obviously bringing the food in earlier and then i would be looking at stomach acid as well is it the fact that you know you're eating and lying down so you're actually not breaking down all of that food mm, and then it's just kind point. of sitting there and then you've literally got to get up and throw up but it's interesting yeah. that the diarrhea comes with it mm, which makes me for sure the yeah. other thing 
definitely I think that we often see is people be like, oh, this has come out of nowhere. He was, I was always so fine. <laughs> no, <it> <laughs> Nothing usually, well, that's not true. Most of the time things don't come out of nowhere. There'll be underlying factors and the more questioning we'll do, we'll see, well, there's always been a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but nothing yeah. I've really given much thought to. So again, to go back to my favourite analogy, it's that bucket that is filling up slowly and slowly until yeah. it gets to a point where there's enough stresses externally and internally on the body where it starts to express itself in a more extreme way. Mm. Now, what I would question, though, has there been also a shift here? So if he's had, as Chris pointed out, probably maybe some underlying intolerances, the fact that he's now getting these periods of vomiting and diarrhea, mm. I would question, has there been some form of gastroenteritis or a parasite or something mm. he's picked up? Mm. Um, I, I actually have a client um, who's interestingly been a similar picture to this. And, um, and also a male, which is interesting too. And he he sort of had a similar picture where there was underlying intolerances that were already there. Oh, really? Well, yeah, yeah, true, true. <laughs> and um, yeah. through testing, um, we established that there was also the, um, the fact that he had picked up a parasite, um, mm. been traveling quite a lot. So he'd actually, on top of a gut that still was a little bit, you know, underlyingly mm. dodgy, but nothing major, there'd been this shift. And that mm. was causing a real stress on his gut to the point that he was waking up either in the middle of the night or just randomly getting hit with these episodes of where he would just hurl his guts yeah, out and right. then he would just lay on the couch like diarrhea like actually no he didn't get diarrhea he'd just vomit and then he'd just be wiped out and go to sleep mm. and then he'd wake up and feel better and then the cycle would start again in x amount of days so i mean that to me what he's explaining there is pretty extreme or what she's explaining for him so mm. i would question whether there actually has been something maybe that's shifted enough in his gut but whether yeah. he's actually pick something physically up yeah so i you know again testing here to rule that out would be really important yeah but you know if that was ruled out it could actually still be the fact that he's got that much of an intolerance to whatever that yeah. food might be that it's reached this point where he's yeah. screaming at him and saying this is really not working for yeah. me yeah get it out get it out <laughs> Out. And I think the other thing is too, like obviously, um, if he, like they concluded it might be a FODMAP, FODMAP thing, mm. took out the usual culprits, garlic, onion, um, he's got, yeah, so I'm not sure if these gut actually calmed down on the FODMAP diet. she said diet. that it did a little yeah. bit, which is interesting. Which is interesting. So yeah. if your gut calms down on a FODMAP diet, and this is what we work with this heaps in the clinic, and I know we've done podcasts on this. This is like we're looking at, you know, obviously issues with the higher moderate to higher FODMAP foods. This is nine times out of 10 a bacterial imbalance mm. or, you know, yeah, it is bacteria, not so much yeast. So this is where like obviously, you know, and you have some people who go on the FODMAP diet and their bodies respond amazingly and then some people who go on the FODMAP diet and may, maybe respond a little bit, but not it's not a massive change. So it's probably working out to ascertain what, what category he fits into and if he's following a proper FODMAP diet because my experience is that I've looked at a lot of the FODMAP websites and FODMAP recipes and all of that and I'm actually convinced that not actually many people understand the FODMAP diet. <laughs> not like people actually trying to do their own research but people yeah. that are claiming to be FODMAP experts and then I look at yeah. the recipes that they're putting up and stuff and I'm yeah. like, that's not freaking low. <laughs> anyway, so it's really making sure A, he's on a proper low FODMAP diet to see yeah. how he responds, like a, a good one, um, to see how he responds to that. Looking at the bacterial balance of his gut, so again, probably looking at the GI testing mm. or even SIBO testing mm. and parasite testing. Yeah, definitely. Those ones definitely would be something we would be looking at. Um, then obviously for the people that, depending on how he has responded to the FODMAP diet, if he's 
kind of only just gotten a little bit better, but these things are still going on, then there's mm. obviously something else underlying. So is there a family of foods within the FODMAPs mm. that are causing issues? Because um, obviously, like, if he feels better off tomatoes, that's not a FODMAP, it's actually mm. a nightshade. Mm. They definitely can be quite irritating in the gut if there is that sensitivity yeah. there. Um, yeah, it's a pretty big one. There's not kind of... we kind yeah, There's of, a lot of questions. And yeah. the other thing I think definitely is worth mm. pointing out is that he'd had some testing done that had ruled out um, lactose and gluten, but we've talked about this too a lot in past testing, <laughs> past um, podcasts yeah. about testing. So lactose has been ruled out. It doesn't rule out that he's got the casein, all that protein yeah. within the milk as a reactant. Um, the gluten, as Chris had talked about before with the other case, mm. like, you know, it, he may have ruled out just um, celiacs, which is great, but he may actually also have a gluten yeah. intolerance. So yeah. there's actually, you know, even this is a really common one where people have been tested for lactose and celiacs mm. and they're like, oh, no, I'm fine with that. It's like, well, you may actually have a casein yeah. reactivity and you may actually be gluten intolerant, just um, different to celiac. Yeah. So I would put a big question mark around that as and, well. And how often have we seen people come back where they've had their lactase enzyme tested yeah. and the enzyme is fine and they still react so strongly to lactose yeah. like it's or dairy and it's like well a mm. it's a bacterial thing b like those tests are okay but mm. I, I like it's just not like not use let's use the pun go with your gut but i've yeah. got so many clients that come in like look i've been told i can eat dairy but i just oh gluten i just feel shit when i eat it yeah. i'm like well let's just pull it out like the proof's in the pudding like mm. if you feel crap when you eat it and you innately know it doesn't agree with you then it yeah for that time, given point in time, it's obviously not. So let's yeah. remove it and give your gut a break from it. Mm. And then once we calm your gut down and do some testing and work it all out and get it to a bit of a sweet spot, then we'll challenge it again mm. and see how much of an issue it really is. So, And that's the thing for her to pass on to a boyfriend here. Like she talked about how we are so strong about like this reducing food so mm. much and painting yourself into a corner and getting stuck. Like if he, if he gets his gut sorted and deals with mm. what the underlying causes are then he won't be in this restrictive phase where he's like concerned about what to eat mm. and just binging out on pretzels and so forth because yeah. it feels like they're you know an easier option because he might consider them like a you know a low starch option or not mm. slow starch but you know a lower fermentable sort of yeah. option whatever he's sort of kind of grabbing onto there but essentially like by delving into this and sorting it he's not going to be restricted. Yeah. And definitely, you know, the other major thing which you mentioned right up off the start was the B12 and the D and these things that are dropping in his blood work. Mm. So there's some really obvious signs that there is some issues with absorption capacity. So, yeah. you know, as soon as we see that, we're going back to the guts. Yep. So, you know, I think it's just a, it's just a question of diving in and, and figuring out what those actual triggers are. Yeah, exactly. Like the first case, it sounds like there's probably... Can we say we probably should have got her parasite testing as well, living in, like, South America? Well, they do that with the CDSA anyway, but, oh, like, true, yeah, definitely, yeah. like, yeah, yeah we definitely... Yeah. I'm like, we didn't even talk about parasites. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> Parasite capital definitely. of the world. <laughs> For sure. I don't think anyone goes to Mexico and not gets a parasite. It's a parasite. like, what you do? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, I, I like this, though, because it is a guy and it's, um, you know, yeah. it's just often they're a lot of kind of a little bit easier to work with. They can be a little bit more clear cut, can't they? I definitely feel that that is the case. I feel like I, I think we've talked about this before. Not all, not always, like, but, you know, and I suppose probably because we do see a lot more women than we do see men. But I, I find with a good majority of my male clients when it is gut stuff, I'm like, this is what you need to do. And they just kind of do it. I think. Yeah. 
I'm not saying they don't overthink things as much as females. I know that's a very broad statement because I've definitely got, you know, my male clients that do it as well. But I just, I feel like it's kind of like, okay, it's just, it's the gut stuff. Whereas with women, we've usually got hormonal components yep. and there's usually the, sometimes the disordered eating past thrown in with it. So yep. there's that anxiety we, we, around. We do food. bring a lot more to the table generally emotionally. Yeah. Like we really do. <laughs> Carl, let's, let's <laughs> not sugarcoat yeah, it. It's, it's true. We do, ladies. Come on. <laughs> just but, own that shit. <laughs> but honestly. We bring a lot more to the table emotionally. We bring a lot more to the damn table in general. We do. Including food. <laughs> but I would like talk to, if this hasn't been sorted, I would talk to him and say, just deliver it in the black and white. Just yeah. be like, look, you need to get your gut sorted. Chris and Jess said. <laughs> you need to get this done. If you get this sorted out. You won't be having problems with your yeah. food anymore. The symptoms you're experiencing are not normal. Yeah. There's a reason why they're happening. You need to investigate it and then you'll be able to get back yeah. into your normal eating. Yeah. Simple as that. While we're on that too, can we just talk about guys shoving their head in the sand about their gut issues? Oh, it's a whole other area. It's a whole area. other thing. It's like, us, like I feel like... like <laughs> Most of my friends that I talk to and, you know, even clients and most of them are just sorting their gut health out. And there's so many, they're like, but my partner, oh my God. And they just, they're like, he thinks his gut functions fine. They tell me, I'm like, that is not fine. Well, speaking of that, I haven't had a chance to tell you. I was going to like say it now because we commit to it. But I spoke to Em about um, her getting to do her man, the... Um, CDSA, oh. and then in the new year, we we're going to get um, him and Damien on the show yep. to talk about their experience from a male perspective. Are you going to put of, them on, like, actually treat their guts and then get them to talk, or just get them to do this? We might do both. We might get them on yeah. at the start, yeah. sort of like before they start, and then maybe in a certain amount of weeks to talk about like experience <laughs> well, of being. Damien's going to love it. Well, I just I think it'd be really interesting too to see the guy's point of view of yeah. being a guy, and also you know like their point of view. Mm. Of being a client or a patient without having the knowledge that we're sort of putting on top of it so they can sort of talk mm. about their perspective of what they're going through <laughs> and as a guy as well because this is such a often a, like you said a female area so yeah. let's get some guys on who are doing this yeah, and, I, agree. I mean Damien's sort of further along so it'll be interesting even for him um, and Brandon to sort of compare like their experiences <laughs> yeah and talk about even as guys that things are important because you know as women when we work on our health we might you know we talk a lot about hormones and pregnancy mm. and so forth but for guys there may be different reasons like it took yeah. them to get to the point where they care enough to go well I need to do something about this yeah. or is it just us now going <laughs> you, know you what, stink you know I don't what, want to sleep in the same room as you you know what you know what's what I'm just laughing at is that um, usually when I've been seeing like my clients that are females and then within a month or two their husbands get yes. in with me and it says referral my wife reason for seeing a nutritionist my wife made me is what I've seen on so many forms I'm like great let's do this I had one this week oh god I couldn't stop laughing I'm like great so cool we did it we slotted in two so um yeah, let's let's wrap this baby up. Yeah, let's yeah, do it. So yeah, guys, if you have any cases that you'd like us to delve into, the media the better for yeah. us. We love them, so send them through to reception at jessicacox.com.au. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sending these to yeah. guys. Really Thank you. nice. Definitely awesome. So we'll endeavour to include them as yes. we go along. Um, at points, we'll try to squeeze some onto the end of certain podcasts if we can. But yeah, we will get through them. <laughs> hopefully, not leaving them this. Long. 
late again. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're doing our best. Yes. Any feedback, um, we love to hear from you. We love to hear um, what you think of the show and also any suggestions for upcoming topics. You can contact us on that email I just gave you or direct message us on Instagram. Yep. Other than that, um, I think that's pretty much it. I think we're done. Yes. Have a great weekend. Have a super weekend and we'll chat with you soon. Chat with you soon. Bye.